Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the new media show. My name is Todd Parker, and I'm glad to have you on board. Of course, I got my co-host, Mr. Rob Greenlee, and we've got a guest that is joining us here directly. He was having a little bit of audio problems, so I think he's fixing that. Rob, how are you? I'm doing terrific, Todd. Doing terrific. Yeah. And, and we've got uh, Bradley Davis. Can, can you hear us, Brad? <laughs> he's he's like, calling in... Um, on Skype here to, to join us today. He he's the CEO of uh, Podchaser.com. So, yeah, so I don't think he, don't think hot. can. Go, yeah, go ahead. I don't think he can hear us yet. <laughs> I can hear you now. <laughs> oh, there you go. Ah, <laughs> uh, so, awesome. So as, as as Rob was saying, we we were just welcoming you to the show, and then of course you're <laughs> trying to overcome the the good old technical difficulties. Sometimes Skype gives us. So how are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? We're doing good. We're doing well at the end of week seven of this national insanity lockdown. So yeah, we're we're doing good. Yeah. Are you guys in Hawaii? Uh, I'm not in Hawaii anymore. I used to be in Hawaii. I left Hawaii in June. So uh, I'm so now we're all, in... All remote, just Skyping in. Yeah. Yep. So I, I'm in Michigan now. And, and where, where are you at, Brad? I'm in Louisville, Kentucky. So you're in kind of a... I don't know. You probably, I don't know. Is your state starting to open up now? We are, we've been pretty conservative about opening up. Um, so not really. Um, we're, we're kind of hitting our peak now. Oh, so, I got you. Yeah. We haven't opened back up quite yet. Michigan isn't opening up either. I'm in rural America, rural Michigan. I'm a long ways from Detroit where the hot spots are. And uh, I think we got 50 cases here. And, uh, the uh, when I drove into town this morning to fire up the studio, it was just like a normal Saturday. I mean, and I think we've got a lot of businesses here that are thumbing the nose at our governor, who's got us on lockdown until the end of the end of May. Michigan's so, the one where you can't buy paint and you can't be on a boat yeah. if it doesn't have a motor or whatever. Okay. As yeah. of this morning, <laughs> or as of yesterday, we can buy paint and garden supplies, and we can mow our yard without getting arrested, and <laughs> we can go on a lake. On a boat, as long as you can maintain six foot separation with the other person of your own family in your own boat. So <laughs> anyway, it's, it, it is what it is. But uh, welcome to the show, everyone. And uh, we've got a great thing lined up to those. If you're watching on Facebook, make sure you say hello. We're on Twitter. We're on YouTube. We're on Twitch. Um, so we primarily watch the chat in Facebook. So anyway. Tell us, I, I don't know, Rob, where do we want to start this morning? Well, I guess I, the re reason that I was, you know, wanting to have Brad on the show is just so we could all as, uh, you know, both you and me, Todd, and the podcast community kind of learn a little bit about what the, the vision of Podchaser is in the scheme of adding, um, adding a lot more additional information, uh, in the podcasting sphere um, to listening platforms and then also just off of their, their website and kind of what their goals are or what their, you know, I think as you look to, to the future, I think, um, adding more depth of knowledge about hosts and guests and, and, you know, having a better kind of, kind of review system that's more kind of across the whole industry is, is, is great. But I'm, I'm sure that there's other things that Brad's working on that we don't know about or something or his bigger vision. So, so that'd be a great place to start is just kind of, you know, if you could give us a kind of an update on what the service does right now. And, and then we can talk about, you know, uh, where you guys think this is going. By the way, Brad, your background and everything is almost like 
pristine studio. How do you keep that so clean? <laughs> I, I actually am. Uh, I just listed my house. So I have never, my basement has never been this clean ever. Uh, it's the first time my basement has been clean. So, so that's it's, why. It, it's show ready. That's what it is then, right? Yes, yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just by, right. by sheer coincidence. Um, but thank you. Um, so I guess I'll just back up and, and kind of go through really quickly why Podchester started. And, um, and yeah, maybe I've introduce this, yourself too. So everybody knows who you are. I'm sorry. I'm Bradley. Uh, I'm the one of the co-founders. There's four co-founders of Podchaser. I'm I'm uh, one of the co-founders and the CEO. Um, and I actually was not invited on this show. I was uh, sloppy seconds because you guys invited Cole <laughs> on the show. Um, well, it was who Cole, who who we were talking to. Just Cole, right? Yes, so. Cole's not available. So you got me. Sorry. Yeah, uh, there, there you go. No, no. So I, like I said, it's great I'm to in, have you I'm, here. It's great to have you here. Yeah. Thanks. I'm in Kentucky, uh, and I my background is in industrial sales, and so I was driving around the Midwest um, and selling widgets and weird things to manufacturers, and I was driving a ton and listening to more and more podcasts. And my personal frustration as a listener was that it was difficult for me to know before diving into a podcast episode whether it was going to be good. Um, simple, simple discovery problem. And so I went to the internet. I'm a pretty heavy media consumer. And I looked for like a Letterboxd or a Goodreads or an IMDb, and I found nothing. Um, I, I really couldn't find anything. And the only thing I, the only things I kept coming across were kind of walled gardens. So they're kind of closed off, and it required me to have a certain OS or or a certain device to to access a community. So I, I basically went on Reddit and posted and said, hey, like, does this exist on, on the podcast subreddit? And if it doesn't exist, does anybody want to build it with me as, as a hobby? And uh, that's where I met our CTO, Ben. He's in Australia. And uh, we've, we've actually never met each other. And we started building Podchaser. Um, and the vision from the very beginning was just to have a third party sort of agnostic social directory to, like you said earlier, to start collecting more and more information about the quality of an episode, the quality of a podcast, but also who's involved in it and who's on the episode and who's the producer, the editor, the host, the guest, and all that came together. And, and that's, that's basically what, what Podchaser is. So, you know, I think, I'm sorry, I think many of us are familiar with the site and uh, let me actually bring it up here on the, if I can do their little magic here, bring it up. And I think that we've been able to bring it up. And so today, you know, how is your major, you know, most of, most of the input you're ha coming into this, is, some of it is through API, but you're also getting some of the stuff by podcasters just manage their listings as well, right? Yeah. So. And this is similar to the IMDb or, or Wikipedia model, where a lot of our data is crowdsourced, but then we also are building relationships with uh, hosting platforms, and they start inputting um, their their credits as well. So, so like you said, we have an API, and as you're uploading the episode as a, as a creator, you can just 
quickly access and, and tag that episode with with who's involved. So it's crowdsourcing, um, and then and then also partner data, and also we we are building our tech more and more to make the crowdsourcing part easier and easier uh, as we go. You know, one thing that um, we are aware of is that um, Apple has got the ability for some creators, and it's usually very top tier creators to go in and basically put in uh, guest credits, guest pictures, so, you know, they've got a whole stuff that they can do that really kind of um, allows a top tier creator to have that extra metadata in their listing at Apple podcasts. But currently there are no tags, no feeds, no process to actually automate that into a normal podcaster's blog post to get that into Apple Podcasts. And Apple doesn't seem to be inclined to increase the number, you know, greatly increase the number of folks that are going to have access to that feature. But what you guys have is essentially an open ability for any podcaster to get those same benefits that is available on Apple Podcasts, but over on Podchaser. Is that a good analogy? Yeah. And I think that. Going back to kind of the vision, the vision is certainly that this is the standard. Um, not only is it important for for discovery from a from a consumer from a listener perspective, but also just professionalizing podcasters in general. So, if you're going to have uh, more and more awards ceremonies, you have to have some third party out there that's verifying that the people were actually on the podcast. Like there has to be a, a professionalization of podcasting to help it help it grow. And to help it um, mature, and so, so yeah, uh, absolutely, any podcaster can um, upload credits to Podchaser. Um, we we tend to have really good SEO for for podcast creators, so that does help with discovery. But it's absolutely our plan to to have this data everywhere. Um, so in different listening apps, um, hopefully in Apple Podcasts and Spotify as well. Um, so so any every, everything that. What, what podcasters can do is contribute to the site and build out our database more and more. And as we become the standard, it becomes easier and easier for listener apps to support our, our data. Yeah. So how has that, that process been, been going of working with the listening platforms? I mean, I mean, are you seeing some inroads or are you seeing resistance or what are you um, seeing? I think, I think just by nature of being, uh, a fairly young company, relatively, um, there there mm-hmm. is always going to be some friction, but um, for the most part, it's been great. Uh, Where our our credits are displayed in Player FM, um, and Pod News displays our credits. Uh, Pod Link, the service, dis- displays our credits, and there's got to be another ten that we're di- currently in development with. Um, so there's going to be more and more out there that that start showing these credits. Um, and honestly, just the the challenge, the technical challenge of not right. only developing the crowdsourcing system, which is not easy, but also to scrape and to contribute the backlog of podcasting because podcasting has been around for a while and there wasn't a credit solution. And so our users and our own team and our partner apps are, are now filling in that, that backlog. Um, so just a matter of, of time and resources to have a, a robust data set and and now we have we have nearly five million episode credits 
Um, so we're definitely well on our way and, and are excited to partner with more and more apps. You know, one of the challenges, you know, I've talked to you, to Colt and, and, you know, about integration and for, for many of us, it's just, you know, we're already slammed as it is. And we've got, you know, lots of companies asking for integration. And I think the big challenge for, for companies like mine is we're always trying to figure out, okay, if we, we integrate with something, number one, is it going to be valuable enough for our that our listeners are going to use at such a volume that the work that we're doing to integrate is, is worth it. Number two, is it going to drive value? And I think this is the things that we look at uh, from, uh, you know, being able to, to allocate dev resources to integrate with different platforms. I don't know, Rob, you guys just integrated with Headliner and, you know, we looked at that as well. And, uh, you know, probably sometime in the summer we'll, we'll get to that. But I think that uh, for us, you know, we're still a relatively small team. It's just a matter of, and we got our own projects we're working on. Um, sometimes it's, it's hard to fit in a square of time to be able to do that integration. Yeah. I would say that, um, it's, it's similar for, for, for Lipson too, but I do think that it does get back to a certain amount of vision, right. Of, of where we see opportunities to help podcasters um, grow audience and become more successful and the podcasting space grow. And, and I do think that an aggregation uh, platform like Podchaser um, does have the potential of a lot of value in the podcasting space and, and making it easy for podcasters to input that data uh, when they're publishing episodes or, you know, when they're in that mindset of creating, creating metadata um, can, can really, if it can be funneled into a platform such as Podchaser and then redistributed out to all the listening apps, um, versus the, the inverse of this would be creating new tags and RSS or those kind of things, Todd. So, I mean, you know, and I think that, that certainly is always an option here and, 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 um, and Brad, yeah, have you looked at the potential of maybe taking the data that you guys create out of this and integrating it with um, adding a layer of tags to RSS as a way to get it out to the listening platforms or you guys primarily trying to do direct API relationships? Yeah, so so two things. First, Todd, um, I will integrate with you one day. You will. We, it's going to happen, say, Todd. I, will get you. Um, I wore my Captivate shirt as a passive-aggressive way to say it. But, uh, but, but it is, but to that point, it, it's our job to make it dead easy for you guys. And, and you guys so, pretty much have. Yeah. And, and, and we yeah. will make it easy. And, and we, we just finished our credits integration with, with Omni Studio. And it was a really good exercise for us to, to go over all of the crazy use cases because we don't want to make we don't want to make it hard for you and we also don't want to make your customer service uh any harder and so we we went through tons of scenarios with them and i think we do have an easy process um rss feed so two things on that one um we started this as an rss feed project uh we created a a, a pod chaser id um and it was abused immediately and it was really annoying and we we tried to figure out a way where we could because the, the beauty of the Podchaser credit system is it all goes through a moderation layer and so mm -hmm. the data that you see is is accurate um and that it has to be useful so we 
put it in the RSS feed. And then everybody started putting Joe Rogan as their guest or mm-hmm. host or producer or blog writer or whatever. And gotcha. it, it, yeah. it became um, really annoying. And, and we, we tried to figure out a system to where we could have some sort of two-way RSS feed tech solution where, where we could catch those and then redirect and then edit. Our, it, it, it basically got to the point where we were trying to do something that was really easy to do with direct API. Um, right. So with that said, though, the beauty of the RSS feed and, and what we also believe in and is part of the essence of, of podcasting in general is to have something that's open and accessible. And so, so our fear is that those, those big platforms out there um, develop some sort of credit system and it's totally walled off and, and independent podcasters aren't aren't shown anywhere and that that's i just think that's kind of backwards and so so with that said i guess we we, we are using the the api but it's still open and inaccessible i think that's really important and also you know it's for me as a podcast listener you know i don't go seeking and it's it's it, every person's different but i don't go seeking to listen to a specific guest i go seeking listening to a show and a host so I'm kind of curious, and that's just me. So I'm kind of curious, have you guys done studies or have any, you know, because, okay, so if you're going to tell a podcaster, let's go ahead and put the credits in for a show that you had a guest on. Um, what are you, you know, from a listener standpoint, is that, is that data actually, you know, it's, it's going to be work. So is that, is that going to turn into someone looking for content? Yeah, so most of our traffic comes from organic search results. And I think it's similar to movies to where people are like, who is that guy in that movie? And they search, they Google it, and then they find an IMDb page and then start having that discovery experience. So for us, we, we see tons of people Googling for specific names plus the word podcast. Um, and then they usually can't find anything because there's not really a good credit solution or like, let's say for example, they search for Barack Obama. Um, well, immediately you get, you know, 50 pages full of far right extremists, like podcast bashing Barack Obama. Um, and so it's difficult to kind of surface to, to the, the searcher, um, that content. And so, so yeah, we, we see that it's a pretty big part of the discovery experience, um, on our end. So, most people will come to us through Google searches. And I think that, I think that there's a, a lot of, of, especially people trying to get into podcasting who have that first kind of experience through Google. Um, so yeah, I think, I think it's definitely part of the discovery process. And then also just having people as this sort of cross-section of discovery, I think is, is table stakes for other media verticals where if you're searching for a specific person if you have that that credits layer that's connecting shows together, it makes for a richer and and better search experience as well. Um, so that may be it may not be obvious that when you're searching for I don't know ACDC on Spotify that uh, Bon Jovi comes up or, or whatever, um, but th- that's connecting people, and I think that podcasting really needs that for a better discovery experience. So. You mentioned that the search traffic coming back to your site is is this. So that 
brings up a question I have. So is fundamentally podcasters making a mistake in not having good show notes with metadata that would drive them back to their site versus your site? (laughs) Um, So I'm just, you know, I'm just kind of being playing devil's advocate here a little bit. Yeah, I think, I think that, that's a good point. I think I think basically, for most independent podcasters, um, their domain authority probably won't be as high as ours. Um, that's just probably the case, right. and right. and that will probably over time remain the same, and, and that gap will probably widen. And so, what our job is is to make sure that we're kind of good stewards of that domain authority. And so if you do do that search and then find us, we do make it very easy to then open up that podcast episode in whatever app of your choice and to, and to have a good jumping off point. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I think, I think basically the way I view it is, again, let's like go to look at movies. Um, you're going to get an IMDb result when you search for, for actors and it just doesn't make sense for every single studio or every single movie to try to make their movie website the the main dis- discovery um, mechanism through search. At least that's how I see it. Rob, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I I do think that uh, search is is a big factor here, and I but I also, you know, I also think when i think about your services is the cross linkage between um guests and the hosts and giving deeper metadata about both of those things in the podcast listening experience i i think that the bigger goal that i see when i think of your service is the somehow as a marketing platform for the podcasting space and and how do we you know, not unlike what the IMDb does um, for the movie and TV industry, um, but but you guys actually go to another level, and that's uh, around uh, listener reviews and and feedback and 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 building that strong community layer, which is an interesting opportunity. Um, also, from the standpoint of building deeper relationships with audiences, I mean. Do you guys think about those aspects too of being a, a a real place that people can build conversations with their audiences and yes. and do you yes. have any tools to be able to have that experience maybe displayed on that podcast website or anything like that? Yeah, so so we really want ultimately for every podcast page to be a one-stop shop for whatever you need. So the the kind of like catch all is the information source. So what is information? Um, so for, for reply all, let's take reply all. You want to know who Alex Goldman is. You want to know who PJ Vote is. You want to know what what else they've done. Maybe they have a live event. Maybe you want to buy a ticket. Maybe they have T-shirts. Maybe they have um, maybe they have a website. Um, we we want to link right. to all of that in in one hub, and then also make it to where our users. Because maybe Alex and PJ don't have time to do that. We want to make it easy for our users to input information like that. So, so yes, um, as as you said, utilizing our domain authority to be used as a, a marketing tool for the podcaster is definitely definitely our goal here. And also connecting with potential listeners. That's more down the road, but um, we do we do definitely have really interesting um, segments of people 
um, especially audio drama enthusiasts. I think they've found a home and our service to where they can connect with each other and find mm-hmm. shows. And we, we hope to spread that through, through other verticals. Um, but then also we, we want to make pacemakers. Um, I think podcasting has suffered from being too nice for a long, long time. And I, maybe that's controversial, but, uh, when, when Wondery releases a new show, we have to know as consumers if it's good. And I, I think Wondery is great and it probably is, but there's certainly um, varying levels of quality within every publisher. And mm-hmm. right now, if you go look at iTunes ratings and reviews, it's like, you know, they're all amazing. And, and there, there are people there actually are, read that. Do what? <laughs> people actually read the iTunes reviews. I think I think they do. I think, oh, I think I consumers are are super into reviews. Um, the power of reviews is powerful. Like, look at Amazon. I have never had an audience member tell me they found my site because of a review. They found my site because of a listener to listener referral. I I agree with you. I don't think I don't think reviews are part of the discovery journey, but they are part of the. Should I give this podcast a try? Uh, I think I think. Uh, that social proof is important, um, mm-hmm. but it's too easy to game and it's, t- and it's too nice. Um, and so what we want to do is create a place. And I'm not, I don't mean to create some toxic environment, sure. but to create a place to where when you look at an iTunes review, who, who knows who's who um, there's, there's, there's no picture necessarily. And there's, there's no um, social proof that you should pay attention to that review on Podchaser what we're developing now is say we have audio and we do have a few of these people, an audio drama enthusiast who's rated 750 audio dramas. Well, you, you probably want to pay attention to that person because they've listened to way more audio drama than you have. And so kind of developing those, those people, those critics, and then having their, their reviews uh, and ratings being more prominent. Um, we think that's really important for for the industry, um, and that's that's a big part of our our vision for ratings and reviews is for them to, like you said, Todd, not just to be like something some throwaway thing that you really shouldn't pay attention to, but to have them matter and to have them start directing more consumers. Uh, I mean, look at the power of the tomato meter and the IMDb ratings for for movies. I mean, the studios have sued Rotten Tomatoes because their viewership has just dived off because they have a 40% or whatever. Um, right. Not saying that that's ideal, but that's important. It, it's, it's good for consumers to know whether or not something's good before diving in. And right now for podcasting, I just don't think that exists uh, hardly at all. So we definitely want to, we definitely think that's important. Yeah. It's also very, very subjective too. So, I mean, so you need to build kind of, the reputation of the of the reviewers too right so you know i mean yeah i mean it, who do you trust and who don't you trust and how do you keep agendas out of that right right and that's that's hard um so because yeah. i agree with you i think i think what's more interesting is the opinion of five pacemakers or experts versus 500 um just normal listeners not not saying that they're bad or, or not useful but uh building a system to where critics can have more of a platform and you know with on podchaser you can follow people and then see and get updated when they leave reviews um so so i think actually we were wanting to build out 
um, more of a critics part of the site. And so we wanted to bring in podcast critics um, and, and onboard them and, and give them special privileges and badges and whatever. There weren't any. <laughs> there's like, there's like yeah. less than 10. It's crazy. So we have to build them. <laughs> um, and and that's, right. that's what we're working on. It's just amazing. It's an opportunity too, I think. I mean, if they don't uh, exist already, then then maybe it's. Which is interesting that they don't exist, right? I think, I think most of the tastemakers that I've seen, I think in this medium, have been usually journalists, right? That have been writing articles. Mm-hmm. Yes, and that's that's about all that I've seen happen out there. Um, but like Todd was saying, m- most of it is uh, word of mouth sharing. I mean, people. That that social proof happens one on one. Yeah, and I think I think that can be kind of mechanized and and put on a platform. I think that's possible. It's hard, but I think it's possible. Yeah. You know, what I, do you think, I you know I I just um I don't know just the way I consume podcasts is you know I'm not a good use case study to be quite frank. I, I'm not either. Uh, I'm a power user. You know, so um, I'm for, sure we all are. So it's, you know, it's for, hard for me. It's about, uh, again, I don't go looking, you know, I, I look at the host and the content, the guest to me is almost secondary, the review, you know, because there's a lot of podcasts out there that I listen to and I, I'm a little slower right now. I'm not listening to as many as I have been, but for many years, I listened to a hundred new podcasts every two weeks. And, um, I I think a lot of podcasts get a, um, you know, I would say 80% of them are good, you know, and are, you know, well thought out and produced well. There's definitely 20% out there that's, that's junk, but, you know, the 80% out there that are, are 80 or 85% that are good. Um, and I, I shouldn't say the 20% are junk, but they're just, um, they're just a little early. Maybe they haven't developed their voice and haven't developed their, their timing and, and so I, you know, I shouldn't say they're junk. They're just a little early in, in development. And the other 80% are pretty well, well polished. They're up on their game. They're, you know, they've got a plan for doing their show. You can tell they've done, a, they've done their research and then, um, but they never have heard of, you know, they've got 50 listeners and no one has ever, ever heard of them, uh, heard of that show before. And, and, and why it's a lot of, there's a lot of factors there. So the, the factors being maybe the podcaster doesn't have their own website. Maybe the podcaster's doing no social media posting. Maybe the, you know, there's this whole plethora of things you have to do to be found. So I think that anything we can do to get podcasts discovered and listened to it is good. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, for us, we, we have, we have, made a home for those power users and again back to like the audio drama example we have people who listen to literally every single audio drama that's ever made um and then they write and review Mm. it and so finding those kind of long tail examples uh and surfacing 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 those is a huge opportunity because i i disagree with you i think 20 percent content is good and 80 percent is bad um but I think we've only, we only find one percent of that twenty percent, and and there's a lot of there's a lot of network effect at play too, to where the major publishers had this huge advantage over the independent podcaster, um, and so that that's an issue because 
because of the low barrier to entry for podcasting, anybody can create a masterpiece in the basement. Um, and that, that hopefully mm-hmm. continues to be the case, but there has to be better and better discovery mechanisms to find those. And I think it's a little bit of a unique case to some degree. I think, um, um, I think, you know, what Todd was trying to say is that he thinks a lot of shows are, 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 are good is, is it in the podcasting medium? It's a little different, I think, than radio, TV, and music. Uh, from the standpoint of the content, um, to to say something is good or something is bad is very subjective oh, in the podcasting very medium. Subjective. And I think it's it's hard to bucket shows. I mean, each one of us has a different gauge on what quality is. And I think, uh, you know, shows tend to create themselves and find their audience, right? That's a, I guess there's some application to this in other, other media forms where, where shows start and find their audience o- over time. But in most of the other mediums, um, the, the content doesn't really have the luxury of time to, to do that. Right. They're either canceled, they're, right. they, they're deemed as failures. Um, podcasting grows and develops over long periods of time, typically, and they tend to grow audience based on the type of content, um, that they produce and to immediately say 20% of only 20% of content in the podcasting space is good. Um, I think is kind of missing the uniqueness of the medium, um, and, and how the mechanism of people finding shows that they like because maybe they're different, maybe they're unique, maybe there's a compatibility with the host. And I think what your, what your platform, I, I think it's big opportunity is to, is to create connections with the host and the creators with people that have an affinity for them. And I think Todd was alluding to this too, that, that, um, shows and, and, and over the 10 plus years that we've done this show, I've gotten feedback for most of the period of the time that, um, people like episodes that just have Todd and I in them and not have guests. So you kind of have this orientation towards, and when I bring guests on, it's someone like, like yourself that brings a lot of value to the conversation, um, on, on the show. It's not like this is an interview show. It's not. Um, but I think it's an interesting example of what I'm trying to say is that the personalities of the hosts in most podcasts, and, and I think true crime may be a little bit of a unique, um, you know, s- s- like fictional podcasts, true crime shows tend to be ones that, um, don't, aren't really personality driven. They're, they're story driven. So it is a little different analogy that's going on here, but most shows have a very strong kind of relationship with their audience, um, based on that personal relationship and, and, and personal affinity with the host and the personality of the host and the host's reputation. And I think, um, that is far more important than a gauge of what's quality or not. There was a point I was going to make, but I kind of lost track here. I, I think too, is a thing that we have to, um, okay. I know my point I was going to make. So your point to trust in the reviews is critical. Um, I don't necessarily untrust an Amazon review and be honest with you. I haven't read, I mean, an Apple review, but I haven't read an Apple review on a show in 10 years. I'm just, I, that's, I don't read reviews of shows. 
Right. Um, I have read Amazon reviews, product reviews. But then when I look at mm -hmm. those, mm -hmm. if it's a product that is coming from, let's say it's a Chinese company, I can almost be guaranteed that 50 to 75% of the reviews that are on Amazon are fake. So I usually go down and read the one, two, and three-star reviews to get the real review of a product versus reading the five-star reviews. I don't want to read the, I want to hear where people had issues. And that's sometimes where the truth really lays in a product. So I, we've all seen it in different Facebook groups where, hey, let's do a, a re, trade, trading reviews and podcasters reviewing podcasters podcast. And it's mm -hmm. more of yeah. a, and, and, and I, it's drove me crazy for years when I see that because um, you do me a Apple review, I do you an Apple review and it's all about, you know, so of course they're going to get a five-star review from a fellow podcaster. Very rarely will a fellow podcaster, or they won't write the review. You know, I've been asked to review shows before. And I said, well, maybe you really don't want me to, but here's my feedback. Instead, I can feedback versus a review. So somehow, you know, in, in your guys' system, you guys have to build uh, a trust base so that if I go over and read a review on Podchaser about a show that I can almost be assured that the person that did the review has given me the real deal and give me his real opinion. If I just see a bunch of five-star reviews on a, on a, on a show to me, that, that is almost, again, it's going back to the Amazon effect. So I don't know, you know, how you, you talked a little bit about building that trust factor with reviews. How, how do you think it's been so far from the people who are using your service? What are you, what's the feedback that you're getting for the reviews that have been submitted? So I totally agree. Um, review systems are pointless if they're gamed easily. Um, so for us, a couple things that we've developed to mitigate that. One is our users get followers um, and get a following. And so when that person gets more and more follows and and more attention on the reviews, uh, it's more likely that person is being truthful. Mm. Um, we, we haven't seen that aspect of the site gamed by any means. That's good. Um, and then also likes on reviews. Um, so just having the ability to um, have a review that has 50 likes, um, again, that can, that can be gamed, but we have not seen it. Yeah. We also, because we've, because we've had these issues, um, before we also, you know, do things like, uh, we see 50 likes on our review coming in from a single IP address. We detect yeah, that yeah. And, and ban it because, uh, certain true crime shows, I won't name any names, um, <laughs> and their soldiers, uh, tried to do that. Um, we also have, we've had robots, um, where we, we've had just a stream of five-star reviews come in from one of those, from one of those, you know, promoter companies. And uh, we built systems to detect that and ban it. Um, so we're we're pretty uh, we're we're pretty on top of that stuff because gaming reviews. If we lose that trust, then then it, it's pointless. So so you have to be on top of things like that. Um, so yeah, a mixture of social proof, but also just trying to defend um, against the the attacks. Yeah, of the, the the evil spammers is is definitely a huge part of of what we do. Yeah, that happens in stats too so let's talk there's some comments that are coming in um 
JD says, one thing, Todd, is that people aren't hiding in anonymity on Podchaser. Okay, that's that's fine. Um, they can. So some people are anonymous and some people aren't. Okay. Um, because I think anonymity is actually important. Um, sometimes we have some we have some secret uh, podcast influencers on our platform who use anonymous profiles because they want to be able to leave a three star review without getting crap for it. Mm. So with that said, though, um, to the commenter's point, um, a lot most of our user profiles have a, a headshot in EvoTerra uh, space and headshot and like uh, the name right there. So, so that uh, that does that does help not being completely anonymous like a 4chan or, or a Reddit. Right. I don't write reviews because it's very obvious why. If I write a review and it's critical, someone's gonna be like, "Well, you know, go screw Blueberry. I'm never doing business with Todd, them." You would so. be such a great influencer. Oh no, 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 no! Not <laughs> a good idea. You so many follows. <laughs> so Todd, take the good with the bad. No, 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 no. Just like just like talking politics, not a good idea. So, um, but yet we do it. Yeah, yeah, but we we don't. Yeah, we do it in our own way on this show. So, right, right, uh, JD says you can certainly you can certainly say objectivity is a script. If a scripted show, audio drama, true crime storytelling is good or not, with a traditional podcast format, the talk show is far more subjective. That's right. Rick says, uh, here's the thing: most passive listeners won't write a podcast review. So that let's call that a P two listener, in in radio jargon. It's usually a fan of the show, a P1, that will, if that person is already a fan, it's biased toward the podcast and or podcast. So how can I trust that as an objective review system? So again, I think too that um, there's all kinds of stuff that runs. So it's, I think whether to, I'm going to answer the question for Rick, for you and tell me if I'm right or wrong. Your point is, is that if I come on your system and I write a review about, Rick's show and 10 people like my review of Rick's show that must indicate that my review was accurate. So if, if I, if I get 10 thumbs downs about my review, which I don't know if you do, if I get 10 thumbs downs on my review, that must mean that people did not agree with me. So I think that is where. There's some social proof there. You build the right? social proof there. Right. Yeah, so we we do not have thumbs down be- because of brigading. Oh. Um, we oh, okay. we uh, right. from from some research on that, we we realized that that is just so easy to game. Yeah, that's true. Uh, oh, it, go, is. Go, it is. Go right. down vote. It's yeah. like a, it's like on Reddit. I posted something on Reddit this morning, and two people downvoted it, and I know who they are, and I know <laughs> that they they actually work for a competitor of ours. They downvoted it, and I'm just like, right. come oh, yeah. on. Yeah, absolutely. So, so yeah. Uh, or actually, they're social media influencers with a competitor of ours. Oh, are you gonna? What What are their names? Uh, no, no comment. <laughs> um, but to, to back to the point of the commenter, we we see on the internet as a whole, and we've seen this with Podchaser, the the one percent rule, where one percent of of internet users contribute and ninety nine percent consume. Um, right, and that is so i think i think i agree that generally reviews skew towards positivity be, from the super fans um and so our our job and our and what we i think are doing a better job doing lately is converting those those uh consumers to contributors 
um, that's hard because most most people on the internet uh, don't do that. Um, so making it very very easy, and maybe maybe that doesn't mean leaving a review. Maybe that means liking a review. Or maybe that means following of the reviewer themselves. Yeah, that's a social proof point um, to make it as frictionless as possible. But yeah, uh, totally right. Like we <laughs> we do see a skew towards five stars, and um, honestly, we we try to lately it's been skewed more towards like a three and a half four. Uh, and that I think that's helpful. Do you, uh, yeah. Go ahead, Rob. I was just gonna gonna throw a monkey wrench into this conversation a little bit from what I've seen from all the years that I've I, I've done shows too is that some of your most um, avid listeners are sometimes the ones that give you the negative reviews. Oh yeah. Um, and and it's an interesting kind of paradox that happens with this is that and for many years on my national syndicated radio show that I did. Um, I, I, I would get these flame emails from listeners just, just ripping me up one side and down the other about what, what I did on my show. But the thing is I would get that type of email from this listener every week. <laughs> so yeah. just, just because you give a negative review about a show or an episode doesn't necessarily mean that that listener isn't listening or can't be built upon as a, as a community member from a, you know, an opposite perspective. Now, Todd, I'm sure you've seen this as oh, well. I wish Sal, Sal from New York, if you're out there, please, I miss you. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Rip me again. Rip yeah, me again, I, I, right? yeah, I think he just got so sick and tired of ripping me. He just finally went away, you know, <laughs> because I would just dog him right back in the show, you know? So it was like, I would read every email that, and I still do read every email that comes in positive or negative. Right. And, uh, now more or not, I get people saying, do not read my comment on the, on the show. Right. They don't because, and I, or use a different name or sign me off as this. Um, be, but you know, Sal used to be like, man, he was brutal on me, but you know what it really did was I took this point and if it was something was valid, then I adjusted. Uh, but you know, Sal got the point where he was trying to direct, the, the flavor of the show. And I'm like, Sal, go make your own show. Maybe right. you did, you know? So yeah, Sal, Sal from, from Brooklyn. I, I do miss you from listening to your podcast, but anyone that was listening to the shows in the early, you know, he'd come in and just rip me. And well, I, I think you bring up a really good point in that a podcast, it has hundreds, thousands of episodes. And so one thing that we did from day one is allow for reviews on the episode level. Because there should be room to to have a five star opinion right. of a podcast and a two star opinion of an episode, sure. um, and that I think that granularity is really important because I always I always see uh, big popular shows go up and they have one episode and they have ten thousand five star reviews that doesn't even make sense. Mm -hmm. um, so I think right. an episode review is is obviously harder to to get, um, but much more powerful and and. That's uh, available and possible on the Podchaser platform. So good thing. <laughs> yeah, because as a good good podcaster, uh, I guess it depends on the the genre. Uh, what you want to create is emotions in your listeners. Yeah, and and sometimes that that is a negative emotion, and sometimes it's a positive emotion, and sometimes right. it's a little bit of both. You some, know, so some... things are complicated. Humans are complicated emotional beings. So you know. Just like, you know, what Todd and I do with the show isn't always seen as positive. It's seen as controversial and, and it isn't like we strive for that, but it's sometimes it just comes from just being authentic with what you're doing. I mean, we're, we're people that have opinions and, and we have observations that aren't always 
consistent with what other people see. And sometimes that stirs things up a little bit, What's, So, which is not a bad thing. I learned something when I was a teenager from my grandfather. My grandfather was very opinionated and I pretty much knew where he laid on most subjects. And, right. uh, but he would have, you know, a couple of farmers would get together and they would be standing around having a beer and they chewed tobacco and spitting on the floor and doing what farmers do. And I would be sitting in the corner and my grandfather would just flip a switch and he'd play devil's advocate, but he came across as if he was the foremost expert and they would just get to the point where they were just about yelling at each other because right. he would just, he would flip the switch on them. And they may have known in the back of his mind that he was not really thinking that way. And it usually was something politics or something. Right. And, um, but then he would come back to him and they would all have a good laugh about it. Well, a good podcaster will find a place to ride that line and, and, you know, and, and not necessarily go completely devil's advocate, but make your audience go, whoa, 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 whoa. And that's yeah. where oftentimes you invoke the biggest discussions. And then, that is where a new listener to a show, my God, if you have a new listener listening to that podcast, they're going to go, this guy sucks. <laughs> and he's going to go and write, he's going to go write a review. Right. That may, but your audience has been with you for 20 episodes. They, they know who you are and you know that you're, you're twisting things a little bit. Um, that's the best fun I have in podcasting was I, when I play devil's advocate to a certain extent or get up on a soapbox and complain that's where i'm trying to trigger the audience to having a reaction and and there's a fine well, a lot line. of the big uh you know nationally syndicated radio talkers it's what they do all day long three hours yeah three hours a day is exactly that's what we're talking about talk here. radio that's the entire basis of the whole thing right right <laughs> so it's not a new art form it but works it's definitely yeah. an art form <laughs> so you know if i get a two-star review out you know that's pro i probably pay attention to a two or one star review more than i will a five star because I know my show's great, right? So it's the critic that, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? All podcasters think their show's we great. always pay attention more to the negative than we do. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's, that's human nature. Embrace the burn, you know? Right. <laughs> and not Bernie, but embrace the burn of the podcast uh, so, review audience. So Bradley, what, what, what this means is you, you, you should put the, the one-star reviews at the top. Yeah, the okay. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, that's what, that's what Amazon does. You have, you see right. the, the most useful good review and the most liked negative review. And so, I mean, we, we can do that. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what, what most people think, you know, I, I want to get five-star reviews. But that, that's not necessarily how Todd and I think. We, we want to get the ones and twos. <laughs> Everyone listening, make sure to rate and review this right. uh, one star. <laughs> bring yeah. it on, man. Bring it on. <laughs> and, and, and Jeff says something good here. He says, you, can't, you can have a great show and an off episode. You can't hit a home right. run. So I even come back and uh, follow on episode. Man, I'm sorry. That last episode sucked. You know, I'll just say it. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I was, off, I was off my, I was tired. I probably shouldn't have done a show. You know, right. that, you know, give me a mulligan for that one. Um, yeah, that feedback's important. Too. Yeah. I think, I think that's for a podcaster to have your <laughs> listeners say, Hey, that, that was bad. Yeah. That was bad. Keep, keeps everybody honest. It's, I think it's a good. good well, and this is also part of, the, part of that conversation I was talking about, about perception of quality. Right. Uh, I think we have to be careful on, uh, how we judge content, especially in the podcasting space what's quality and what's not. I think it's up to the audience to really decide that right. e individual audience members. 
So I, I do have to say something on a personal level here. And this is a comment from JD. Hey, uh, JD, thank you that you like the new shiny mug. I do appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, by the way, for you bald guys out there, how do you, how do you always trim the hair? that's like this crook of your ear correctly every time. So someone give me a good tip on how to make sure I don't end up with a, a burr of hair there, which I continue to do when I shave my head. But anyway, for Todd, those, Todd, <laughs> Do it very carefully. Well, that's the problem. That's the problem with a are razor. Using like a, are you using a razor? Oh, yeah. I'm using a regular razor. Yeah. I haven't bought one of those. They have those things that's got wheels on it. Yeah. But yeah. I haven't tried one of those yet. Tried to actually those use. cool. <laughs> wheels but, on it? It's yeah. Got they got, a, they got it. a wheel. So it rolls over your head yeah. and pulls the razor across. Yeah. But actually wow. what it is, is the problem is, is right. You guys are looking for those of you that are listening. I'm, it's right there where your glasses meet your ear. That area right there, that's really hard to cut on your own <laughs> without, so Todd, without uh, nicking yourself. You have your own um, lawnmower? Is that what this is? No, I just use a, <laughs> I just use a standard razor on it. But, uh, <laughs> I know, I know. but it's got wheels, Todd. So. No, that, mine doesn't have wheels. Mine just, oh, oh, it mine just a regular, regular face okay. razor. You're I haven't a caveman. Bald <laughs> caveman right now. And by the way, any women that want to touch my head, it's a dollar. It's a dollar to rub my bald head. <laughs> <laughs> was that your new uh, revenue model that's now? right that's right because <laughs> i keep going in places and, and, and you know and i just, just i just want to touch your head i'm like uh that that's too you know is maintain your six foot of separation here <laughs> yeah that or get longer arms something yes. to that effect yeah anyway i don't know if that's prob probably this conversation is politically incorrect and i apologize ahead yes, of time it's very politically incorrect <laughs> Especially right now. Oh, that's a fact. Yeah. Um, so, anyway. anyway, yeah. Bradley, you can see where we go off the, the rails <laughs> yeah. sometimes. And so, it's all from a comment from JD. It's your fault, JD. <laughs> <laughs> Getting back on topics, I recently got a two-star Apple review. So solely because I mentioned on the show that I'm an Android user. <laughs> hey, so when I was in the early days of podcasting as hardcore PC and there's actually a story behind this. It's actually a pretty good. One. we've got a few minutes. I'll share this. So I was hardcore PC user. I had a bunch of buddies that were Mac users. Matter of fact, I had a buddy that was so hardcore Mac. He was buying Mac stock when Mac stock was like in the tank. And he is now a very rich man because he, 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 uh, he, 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 he sends me a ha ha note on Facebook every once in a while. Um, because he kept telling me buy Apple stock, buy Apple stock. But anyway, so I was PC. It's same with Amazon. I kick myself oh every my day God. now. It's I didn't like, buy Amazon. He was buying it. Was like, it was like two or $3 yeah. or something. You know, it was right. insane. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, um, I got a Mac mini. And because uh, when I wrote my book on podcasting, I needed a Mac. And I, I went and, and used a Mac mini for a while. And I really I had huge, huge issues with um, Macs. And I was always bitching and moaning and talking about it. And in my audience, I, you know, I had half my audience as a tech audience listening to using Macs, half that were using PCs. And so I, I finally ended up becoming what I called an equal opportunity basher. I was back in bashing PCs and bashing Macs as much as possible back and forth. But one day I just said, man, if I could just talk to Steve Jobs and give him a piece of my mind about this <laughs> Mac, I, all I need is 15 minutes. Two weeks later, my phone rang. And it was uh, a gal on the other phone. On the other phone, she said, uh, "Mr. Cochran, do you have um, fifteen minutes to talk to Steve Jobs?" Uh, sure. 
15 seconds later, I'm on the phone with Steve Jobs and I had a 15 minute conversation about the Mac with Steve Jobs. And it was pretty frank. I told him what pissed me off about the Mac Mini. And um, it was about the time that the first MacBook Pro with an Intel chip was being released. And uh, a few days later, whatever, I, I get this call from the Ala Moana in Hawaii Apple store. And I got this call, hey, we need you to come down to the store. We have something for you. Well, I had a good friend, his name was uh, Ryan Ozawa, and he went down to the store with me, and Steve Jobs had sent me a MacBook Pro on the house. True, what? True story. <laughs> no way. True story. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I believe it. True story. Wow. That was in very early, very early days. Of, the whole staff, I walked in there, and I said, oh, I, I got called. I was told to come down. And it was like this, the seas parted in the store. I become this revered uh, Apple oh user God. or whatever, right? <laughs> you know, they come out and they gingerly give me this, you know, this MacBook Pro. And it's like, they're like, yeah, this is courtesy of Mr. Jobs. And I'm just like dumbfounded. You know, there's this whole, the whole Apple Care staff or whatever standing there. So it was pretty cool. I've got to start. That, wouldn't, that wasn't that long ago. The Intel chip on the Pro was... It was on the 17-inch MacBook Pro, yeah. So, but again, what year I was this. I, I don't. It was probably 2008, nine. I don't remember. Like I was say yeah, 2008. Yeah. yeah. Then. Mm-hmm. But I'd had that Mac Mini and been bitching about it, and you know the, it was because I bought that in 2005, so it had been some time. Don't get me wrong, but just at some point during the show, someone must have, someone in the inner circle, Apple must have told him that I was bitching about Macs. I, I who knows? It was, it was pretty. I've got a story about Donald Trump, too. I talked to Donald Trump in my car once as well, before he was a presidential candidate. Who are you? <laughs> what is going on? I'm on hollowed ground. No, what happened was, is with him, I had two guys yeah, call I've me. I've heard these stories like four or five times over the years, too. <laughs> I had two guys that wanted to do The Apprentice. An apprentice, uh, something, apprentice, something. And we're talking to this guy, and I said, apprentice. yeah, whatever it was. And, you know, they were going to do some series of things. And anyway, they were going to take it podcasting. And I said, you're not going to do that. That's he Trump organization owns that. And, you know, that's that's you, you're going to have to ask permission. You're going to have to get licensing and all. I said, you know, call it something else. Oh, we'll get him. We'll get Donald to approve it. And I'm like, whatever, you know, and uh, about. At least like a week later, I'm on the highway in Hawaii coming out of the H1 tunnel and my phone rang, mobile phone rang, and I, I clicked answer and it was, I mean, it, was, it was just typical Trump. Todd, Donald Trump. Hey, I know you talked to my guys over there about doing that podcast on The Apprentice. Blah, 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 blah. I, I didn't say like two words. <laughs> And he just, it, it went on for like 45 seconds. It said, my people will be in touch. Click. <laughs> <laughs> it was literally less than a minute, you know? And I think I said three words. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So anyway, incredible. that's funny. It was, it was, and I laugh about that. I tell people that today and, it was just, it was purely classic Trump. Da, 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 da. <laughs> yeah. So did, did he ever do an apprentice? They podcast? never did nothing. Never heard from him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
too busy doing Trump state. You know, who knows, you know, and why he would have, why did he call me? I, I don't know. I have no clue. You know, why I, does I Steve really Jobs call you. Well, because I was bitching about the Mac on my <laughs> show. I had a huge, you know, shows pretty huge following, you know, huh. and we actually Amazing. did. We did talk about, um, after I got calmed down, I was actually talking to Steve Jobs. It, we really did talk about where my issues laid with the product. And it was a serious conversation. So. Awesome. And he was Very nice. Cool. He wasn't an asshole. You know, I heard people have had conversations with him in the past that weren't so nice. He was, he was nice. Very cordial. Well, you were a customer. Well, I was a nice. bitching customer. Well, you were, but he's not going to make you madder than you already were. Well, already, and what do I have now? It's all, <laughs> it's all Macs here besides the TriCaster and this, you know, one, one token PC. So. Yeah, but now you're talking about moving back to PC, Todd. Yeah. So Rodney <laughs> says, I remember that Apple story. So it must have around 2005, 2000 time frame. I remember Zachary was so impressed. Yeah. So someone is in the chat room remembers <laughs> oh. the story. All right. So it was, it was very early. And I, I think I've got that Mac. So I wish it was signed. It'd be worth a lot of money, but. Yeah, it, it would be for sure. Yeah. Anyway, so okay. we're, we're off topic here. But you're, you never know what your show is going to do. What, you know, who's listening? True. Right. And we know, yeah. th we know this show is, hey, Apple folks. Hey, how you guys doing? Hey, Google. <laughs> how you guys doing? Oh, you know, Rob? I, I was going to bring this up at the beginning of the show. NDA suck. Uh-huh. I'm under a new NDA as of yesterday. <laughs> oh, you are. <laughs> I okay. am. I'm under a new NDA. NDAs suck because I can't tease you because I think you're under the same, same NDA. <laughs> <laughs> it's very likely, Todd. Very likely. Yes. Yeah. The big things are coming to the podcasting space, and that's all I can yes, say. Yes, they are. Yes. <laughs> Exciting. We can't say anything about it, but they're they're coming, whatever it is. Yeah. No. I think I know what you're talking about. I, I'm not under an NDA, <laughs> but I also don't want to say it if I'm wrong. So there's some stuff coming next week. So, oh, this, this one's not coming next week. Oh, it's something. Okay. All right. Yeah. I thought maybe you were talking about what was coming next week. No, it's not. I'm not talking okay. about what's coming next week. Something is coming sometime. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, okay. Well, all right. Yeah. And no, we can't there's share notes. Those. There's always those. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So if you know, and I'm not under NDA with Google. So if Google's bringing their stuff next week, that's that's good. But uh, we'll see if it's if it happens next. week. Hmm. Mm, it's going to. Oh, good. What I didn't it? say that it was Google. I just said something is coming next week. Okay, definitely. So, so they're they're the only ones that are okay. It's Google. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, okay. no, I think the. Um, you know, uh, uh, shows have a significant impact with their audiences. And, and the, to make a point Rob made earlier is that we've had some big guests on this show and they, they don't ever seem to drive the needle. So the shows him and I just do weird stuff or maybe we've called somebody out typically will drive the needle more than a big guest. So uh, folks that do interview shows all the time, they don't have any other, if they're just doing interview, 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 they really don't have a non-interview show to see what would happen if there wasn't an interview during their podcast. So maybe, you know, if, I, if I'm a, if I'm a podcast that's doing interview shows all the time, maybe I'm just going to do a couple solo shows here and there. 
and see how the audience reacts to a solo show where you're talking about a topic that is related to the type mm-hmm. of guest you have on. So we're going to, we're, we're going to eventually measure that impact because since we have the people credits, we can see uh, with, with a baseline of a show, if that, if that guest appearance causes a spike. Um, so that'll be something interesting to see because I'm sure it's relative to the oh. audience, but I'm sure some names cause more spikes than others. Um, like Elon Musk, I think was one of mm-hmm. Joe Rogan's biggest interviews of all time. Um, right. So now that's, that's a name that. though. That That's a real name. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, he, and he's a controversial character, so it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. definitely. I'd love to have him on a show and not be smoking any weed and just talking about stuff that he's doing. I, you know, he, 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 he could have his own podcast and have millions of people that would, I'd subscribe to it immediately. Absolutely. Just to have him talk about his ideas right. would be worth yeah. his Todd, Todd, he's such a horrible presenter though. Are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So here's the thing though. <laughs> I know, but it gets back to our quality question, right? There, is it the is it the who or is it the what? Okay, so this right? show, you got a couple of guys on here that we're 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 rambling and talking about crazy stuff, but every once in a while, maybe Rob and I, you and have just a magic moment. All right, it's it's a one one or two takeaway from the show, and maybe we just stumble upon it by pure luck. When you're listening to a show like from a guy like Elon Musk, you're listening for that magic moment of that one, that one nugget. Cause there were 90% of the stuff that's in this show is available on 90% of the other shows. Right. So it's just that nugget that you're looking for. And the nugget is sometimes all you need to, you know, where do you think of where I, I've been listening to a podcast before and it's triggered something in my brain that would be like, Whoa, 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 Whoa. We should, and it, it wasn't maybe completely related, but it fired a neuron that made me think about something creative or something different to do. Mm-hmm. So that's what we listen to podcasts for. You know, maybe you're going to get into the stories and get depth, but I think some of us listen to shows just for that, that nugget that's there. I might be wrong, but. Well, I think that's part of it. I think it's people tune in because they either like the person that's the host. They, they like the topic. And shows that do a variety of different topics or that they have different um, personalities on the show as guests tend to have um, a lot of churn in their subscriber numbers, right? So, but, but shows like what we typically do here where we're pretty consistently the, the two hosts, you, sent, you tend to see more consistent download numbers week over week where if you're bringing in a different um, guest every week, the popularity of that guest to some degree does drive some fluctuation in the numbers. And if an audience feels like that they're not getting enough of the primary hosts, they may not listen if they don't have an interest in the topic that the guest brings. Yeah. So, you know, I think you have to kind of realize that the dynamics of podcasting, you know, I, I ran the zoom podcasting platform for, for many years in the early days of this medium. And what I saw in, in the numbers was about a 50% weekly churn on subscriptions. Uh, which means, and I don't know if that's consistent with what's happening now, you don't really see many of the platforms talking about churn in subscriptions because I, I think that there's more of an emphasis now towards just cl- click play experiences and following or liking or that, that kind of functionality now. But s- subscriptions was really a good <clears throat> example of what I'm talking about, uh, people 
churning it out a podcast. So usually what, what we see and you've seen the, the Edison numbers are always about five to six subscriptions or podcasts that an average listener listens to. What I saw it, 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 in the numbers is that may be the case that it's five or six subscriptions. But what I also saw was three out of that six were churning out every week. So people were trying new shows on a regular basis. <clears throat> I, I guess we'll have to see. And maybe you guys over there at Podchaser will be able to dig into this a little bit too. And, you know, maybe that's something you can, you know, you can get from some of your data. Maybe you can get some listener insight of how long they've listened to a show and you right. know, been a fan. Because, yep. um, you know, I've said it a hundred times, the Geek New Central, I have about it. I figure people last about two years with the show and then they leave for a while. And right. then, and then it's they, that churn out that yeah, we're talking about. Yeah, right? it's, you know, mm-hmm. there's numbers trickling off because they're sick of talk. They're sick of listen to me, you know, and, and they go off the other end and they go away and listen to something else for two years. And then they come back and they say, Oh, you're, right. you're still here. I get those emails all the time. Um, and I don't think podcasts, a lot of podcasters don't get to the point where that churn happens because they, they don't stick with their show long enough to, to get to that point. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. We, we try to pay attention to all sorts of things like that. Sure. So uh, what direction are you guys getting involved in around um, podcast metrics? Are, are you guys trying to be a resource for that as well and aggregate metrics at all for shows? Yes. Um, so we, by, by being this agnostic player in the industry, it's, it's our eventual goal to be able to aggregate, um, things like play data. Um, so we'll be, that'll be something that's coming fairly soon is some partnerships with some player apps, um, that will allow consumers to see, um, things like metrics, but also to, to allow podcasters to see some of that behind the scenes as well. Um, cause I think, I think it's actually more interesting from the consumer perspective to see things like metrics, um, and how that influence things like, uh, rankings and charts. So, so yeah, the, it's definitely on our, our roadmap, um, on both sides or <laughs> for the consumer experience to get an idea of the reach um, or the scale of a podcast, but from, from the podcaster's perspective to get more insights on an episode, episode basis of what makes an impact. Does it, does a guest make an impact? Does length make an impact? Um, there's, I mean, there's all kinds of factors that I think, I think there's, there's still quite a bit to, to be had in analytics for, for podcasting. So yeah, uh, the, the issue is that it's, it's very difficult to come across a lot of that data. Um, so it's a challenge. And by the way, yeah. go ahead. Go, go, go ahead Todd. I was just going to add the, the, in, the first Intel 17 inch MacBook pro was introduced in April of 2006. Oh, far <laughs> off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Good old Google. So, so Bradley, how do you see yourself kind of tapping into the ecosystem of, of getting the, those, those metrics, um, are you looking at like maybe a, a redirect relationship with shows or are you looking at tapping into um, current uh, hosting platforms for, for data, you know, that's, that's related to a show or what's your thinking about how you're going to get that data? Um, I think you had mentioned relationships with players, right? Um, 
yeah, but, yeah all of the above i think that players provide a, a pretty a pretty great look um of of reach and, and actual plays uh, which right. is useful um the the redirect is is something that we more recently are are looking at something that our that our podcasters on our platform are asking us to do um and to have that inside the platform um as as like you know having more things be in one spot is is helpful and then yeah obviously like as we develop more relationships with with hosting platforms um whatever makes the consumer happy uh, is 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 generally what we try to go towards so i think to answer your question i think there's an opportunity of all of the above and combining those things um, to make a really powerful analytics dashboard well one thing's for sure we're going to have the blueberry redirect the pod track redirect the charitable redirect the yeah. one other company uh, at a certain point we're going to run out of redirect so <laughs> yeah so are we going to have to <laughs> come up uh, with a company that aggregates the redirects <laughs> here we go well then you run into gdpr issues so it, it's not like you can have one person be the redirect collector and then aggregate data out because it's a it is right. a privacy problem that you know it's very very hard to overcome but anyway, it's, it's my two cents worth on that. Not that we do stats or anything. So <laughs> I think too is um, you know you what you guys have started with and what you've built to. I, you know, I think you guys have put a lot of labor love into this thing, and it's you know you you're getting some momentum, and that's good. Um, Thank you. But do you feel though that you know for a show like mine, you know I don't think people are going to go to your site, but I think. For this show, maybe, maybe people come over there and review who a guest was or something. I don't know. What are you seeing your cross section of users mostly being? You mean like what yeah, what's what the, their interests are? Yeah, what's what's you know, what's what's the what's the high what's, what's the, the genres, top, right? What's the top five that they come over and look for information on? Audio drama is number one. Um definitely. Uh, our users love audio drama. Um and I think that's a really exciting vertical within podcasting because it's it's uh it's just some pretty amazing playground of possibilities where the the interview format is tried and true um i wouldn't say it's like formulaic i don't think that's a bad thing but for the most part the the interview podcasts it have a formula that, that they follow so audio dramas you know the the possibilities are endless and so it's been really fun to watch that feedback loop with our podcasters and our listeners um and helping kind of move forward that medium and make it better and better um so that's a big one um true crime it's huge people love murder people love gruesome human beings for some reason <laughs> which is really disturbing um when you when you think about true crime yeah. being like really popular it's really disturbing um what else uh the yeah, are uh, you actual- seeing um the vast majority or or a large percentage of the of the people that are participating on your site around true crime are are women yep wow yeah that's yep. an interesting kind of psychological societal kind of uniqueness Fellas, factor don't, that's, don't, don't yeah. piss off your wives and lock the knives up right <laughs> <laughs> definitely skews to women and uh, sadly, the victims of true crime podcasts tend to be women. So it's yeah, right. It's real right. weird, right? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. That's above my pay grade, but uh, 
cool. Yeah. Uh, audio drama, true crime, business. I mean, it's all it, interview shows. Obviously, do really well. Um, the uh, the McElroy family empire has a good following on our on our platform. Mm-hmm. That that's such an incredible uh, content machine that they've they've turned out. Um, so. Yeah, it's a bit of everything, but um, those are the those are the highlights, I think, for sure. Podcaster, podcasting, podcasts about podcasting uh, do really well. Uh, all, most of our early adopters are podcasters, um, and so they they listen to shows like this and and uh, know all the all the insiders. So that's cool. So speaking of podcasting, let's talk just about what we saw, what was reported here. I think yesterday that ninety one thousand podcasts were approved last month that is simply a mind-boggling number yeah when you think about it right in a year we could add what almost 1.2 million new shows Ninety-one thousand new shows in a single month right yeah i mean it's record growth on our platform too on on the lipson platform it's just unbelievable what's happening that's why i was i went home yesterday and collapsed i'm actually this after this show i'm meeting at two o'clock with a couple of my team members we're working all afternoon yeah it's i've never worked a saturday you know so it's it's pretty incredible it really really is Ninety-one thousand new podcasters now what's gonna happen what's gonna happen next month how many of those are gonna pod fade (laughs) you know that is the that is the question right yeah, uh, I mean, you guys know those metrics more than me, but what percentage of podcasts don't make it past, you know, one episode? What is it, 75% or more? Well, it depends on the platform you're on. <laughs> it does frank. actually depend a lot on the platform that you're on and, and, and how much you're paying to be there. Or not. <laughs> or not, right. Yeah. So... I think that has commitment follows commitment and that's typically what we see out there. Yeah. But, uh, that's, that's a big number. 91,000. Yeah. So I guess we'll see over time what happens there, but, uh, I don't know. I'll let the, I don't have, we don't have time to, we see the numbers, but I, you know, I, I'm, we're, we're head down so hard that if I want the statistics, I have to ask Angelo two weeks in advance so we can, write a script to pull it out of the data and and then he becomes annoyed with me because he's i'm holding him up from doing other stuff so so todd i you know i know i've mentioned this in the past too and it seems appropriate to mention it again though that um that kind of growth rate of content um are we in the danger zone potentially of getting into a situation where the growth rate of content outpaces the growth rate of audience based on what we're seeing in a lot of the platforms we're seeing pretty pretty significant declines i guess it depends on what genres of content are being created at that you know at at that pace right what where are new podcasters coming into the medium is it in the areas that are driving audience right now or is it pretty much across the board like always and i'm just worried that maybe the market for podcasts gets out of balance a little bit i'm not seeing a an appreciable bounce in volume, unique of, volume of listening. Yeah, right? not, I'm not seeing appreciable bouncing. You know, it's just that's pretty steady. You know, that's that's that right. flat right. line. But this spike of new podcasts. So again, 
it's exciting to see 91,000 people join, but what happens if they don't have any listeners in two months and they become discouraged and leave? But it also depends on their, the reason they're starting a podcast. Um, for us, it's been business, 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 businesses are desperate to have a cheaper way to reach their audience. They're not having their customers, their customers. They don't have to go out and spend TV buy. They don't have to buy radio buy. They don't have to go buy a Facebook ad. They can do this relatively low cost and use their social media platform to, to push out the message that they would have normally spent X tens of thousands of dollars of advertising to do, which doesn't bode well for the advertising side. So yeah, because we have seen adjustments in the advertising side too. I think this is, there's been some data come out here that there's a rebalancing of where spending is happening, um, but there there has been an overall decline in advertising um, already on this medium, though some genres are getting more money um, now than before. So I, I would suspect, based upon the previous 2008 whack, that the advertising dollar spend is not going to change that much. I think the advertising dollar spend will be about the same. It's just going to be moved around. It's just, it's just a rebalancing of priorities, right? right. Based on the market situation. Yeah. You look at television. I, I was watching more TV than I ever had for, because I'm just stuck at the house. I can't do anything else. Was I, it took about six weeks for the ads on TV to react. Some people were really quick. They were quick and dirty ads. They got together. Now, almost every ad has been replaced. The creative has been replaced mm-hmm. on most advertising to reflect the current situation. But right. it took them about six weeks to react on the creative. And six weeks right. in this time frame was a lifetime. So right. it was a long time. Right. Yeah. And in podcasts, we had PSAs running, a PSA campaign running in seven days. You know? Right. And so... I don't know how quick it took for radio to react because I wasn't listening to radio. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I could see it in the TV ads too. You know, the, um, the, the older, um, quality or not quality, but the older types of productions for TV ads that showed, you know, large groups of people together, people doing stuff together, people out in public, you know, together more. Now the ads that you're seeing now are, are running spots that are sensitive to the current climate but i and i think Um, some of those ads are better than the ads they had on before they're more they're more organic they're more sympathetic not necessarily sympathetic well maybe sympathetic but yeah they they are they are but they're also um they're not as polished they Hmm. they are they're they're raw they're raw they're really raw they're good but they're raw because they had to get put together quickly and maybe not quickly, but they had to be put together in a different way. They couldn't have a advertising shoot someplace. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, it's, just, it, it's the same topic that's being talked about in Hollywood right now. When are the, when are the TV and movie productions going to start up again? And are we going to eventually here over the next month or so start r- running out of new series on Netflix and there's going to be a, you know, a fall off on, well, if the, if the Calif- content creation, right? If the Calif- California governor has his way, two years. So you know, <laughs> I hear uh, September is when Hollywood opens back up through the grapevine. Well, we're going to run out of content for sure. 
there are Waco, which is I think yeah. number eight on Netflix. That's that content's from 2018. They just bought it. Like they're gonna go hunting for more content to buy and and re- redistribute. So we're gonna run out for sure. So maybe there's an opportunity here for some podcasters, some of these storytellers, and some of those folks. There's a bigger opportunity here for. But Todd, I mean, in some ways, uh, some of these storytelling podcasts are running into the same issue uh, because a lot of them either do group productions, especially if they're audio dramas Mm. um, that are using, you know, Foley effects and casts and those kind of things. I think those productions are definitely at risk. Um, So, you know, I think that a lot of the factors that are plaguing TV and movies, uh, for, for some sectors of the podcast space that it's going to have an impact on them too. I think I like the, the idea that this pandemic is essentially accelerating our technology, tech technology path by five right. years and five weeks. So the, the quality of remote recordings and, and the quality of people's home studios, and it's mm-hmm. going to be forced to get really good. And then that's, that's a great thing. It opens the door to have an audio drama with somebody in, you know, Norway. Right. And, and right. so I think, I think it'll be a good thing overall, but it's going to, it's going to be some crappy audio for a while until we get there. Yeah. And you're seeing it, uh, even, even with music right now, right. Where you have a drummer in one location and a singer yeah. in another location and a, you know, a, a guitarist in another location, all doing a joint zoom call, uh, playing That's music together. Wild. It's, I mean, it is an interesting, you know, change and shift that you just haven't seen that very often yeah. before. So there's a question being asked, uh, and it's from Peter Stark, but before we do that, but you know, here's a picture of the meeting we had and we had, you know, we had the audio was, was fantastic. I had my team on from blueberry. We had, we had a team call for two hours right? and a little longer than that. And then I've done, I had some of my team members that were involved in some interviews on some new product, product, uh, product announcements we're making that have never, ever recorded even in a regular studio, we did it over Zoom and it worked out well. I just made sure he was on a, you know, on, a, on some sort of wired uh, headset. So I, I think the new norm is being figured out pretty quickly, even by members yep. of my team. Hey, so Peter asks, how is Podchaser different from how podcast receivers, I don't know what that quite is, gather their podcast listing? Does Podchaser provide APIs? For the podcast receivers to use, I don't know what a podcast. I guess that's a podcast receiver would be an app. So, well, like a listening app or something. Yeah. Um, I don't quite understand the question, but I think, I think maybe we we are developing an API for podcatchers um, to use mm-hmm. to have a more elegant solution for um, keeping up with episodes and podcasts. And you know, we we've had to do a lot of work to prevent duplications and spam and I mean and we want to kind of redistribute that out. Um so yeah we we have an API for for players for that but also for our ratings and reviews um and for our creators. We're coming out with our kind of a 2.0 version of that soon. And we're also working on an OAuth OAuth capability with player apps so that they can start leaving the ratings and reviews within the app themselves. Um, and it's going to be this, we're really excited about the, the idea of, you know, a, a, a rating left in one app showing up in other apps, um, that, that go through Podchaser. Um, so I'm not sure if I answered the question, but yeah, I think he was referring to podcast listening apps. 
So no. Peter says Yahoo Directory used to have podcast listings, but that when that went away, podcast receivers or podcast app for the discovery tool. So does Podchaser ask the apps to show their content? And you just referred to it. You're starting to get into some app. Yes. Yeah. Hey, you guys, can you believe it? We're already at 90 minutes. So I know. It's amazing how time flies when you're having fun. We're having fun. Yeah. <laughs> so before we bounce out of here, was there any uh, any other news, Rob, that we needed to cover? Uh, I don't think so. I think we we accomplished our goals for today. All right. So unless, uh, uh, Bradley, is there anything else that you wanted to mention about your, your platform, um, um in the last couple of minutes here? I guess one thing that I didn't touch on that will be coming pretty soon is, uh, discussions. Um, one, this is a very even trickier than ratings and reviews, but I I've seen, I think most people see that discussions take place in a very fragmented way across bizarre forums, subreddits, Facebook groups, Twitter, and they're fairly ephemeral. Um, and so it's our, another kind of piece of our vision is having, having discussions tied to one place anchored to, um, you know, our, our data structure so that a discussion about an episode is always attached to that episode. Um, so yeah, we're, we're excited about that. I think, I think discussions and, and providing a place for your, your community to gather and to find each other. Um, and to discuss mm -hmm. things is a huge opportunity. Uh, other than that, pretty much it. What's the best way for them to, uh, to reach you? You just got to follow our Twitter account, Podchaser. It's a very, it's run by Dave, Dave on our team. And it's, uh, it's just, it's great stuff, guys. You're going to, you're going to learn a lot from, from our Twitter account. Well, Bradley, good luck in selling your house in this environment. Let us know how that goes. Thank you. <laughs> Interest rates are low, so people are going to be looking for some deals, right. but, uh, you know, right. yep. don't give them a deal. Um, and hey, I also want, 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 want to ask too, Brett, rather before you go, um, um, as far as signing up for, for Podchaser, what's the, what's, what's the sign-up models that you guys have right now? Is there any premium models or are you... You just all free and you're looking for signups from podcasters as well as listeners. What's the model here? Totally free. Um, we're our website. You can sign up on any, any device, any platform that has a, a web browser. Um, we, we want all podcasters. We want all listeners. Um, we, we take it all. So make an account, start leaving ratings and reviews and you'll start getting followers and, and, uh, become part of the ecosystem. Mike says we need an audio stream we can listen to on the go. I thought about doing something like that, but it's it's on my what, list. For, what what for this show? That's yeah, so maybe fire up a shoutcast stream or something, put it up. So it's simple enough. I just I was thinking about it a couple of weeks ago, and matter of fact, I've got a tab open on one of my computers that is on one of those pages. So we'll hmm. consider it, Mike. Thanks. All right. Um, anyway, I guess that's it. Uh, Todd at Blueberry.com. At Geek News is my personal Twitter account or at Blueberry's the company one. Rob? I'm on Twitter as, uh, at Rob Greenlee with two E's. And you can reach me uh, via email if you have anything that you want to reach out to me about. Uh, send it to RobG at Lipson.com. And I also have a website, uh, RobGreenlee.com too. So. So we want to thank Bradley for being on and, and spending some time with us today here on the, on the new media show. And we'll be back with you on Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern 
12 noon Pacific for another edition of this show, at least. And we, and we may have a couple of interesting guests. Oh, okay. I know the one email went up in smoke. He never replied, but we won't say who that is, Marco. Um, but anyway. But I have a couple <laughs> others that are coming. Oh, awesome. So Marco doesn't do email, don't you know? Oh, he does on occasion. <laughs> yes. What does he do? Twitter? I don't, I don't think he does any communication. <laughs> I, think, yeah. I think that's his thing. Yeah, yeah. He can be a little hard to reach sometimes. Yeah. Well, that's become evident. Anyway, everyone, thanks for being here. Uh, we'll see you next time here on the New Media Show. Everyone take care. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks, guys. Okay. Thanks.